morning you get together and you read the Christmas story. We're going to read the Christmas story together as a church family this morning. And so it's going to be a little bit different this morning. I'm going to read the first verse of Luke chapter 2, and then I would like all of us together to read chapter, uh, verse number 2 together, and then I'm going to read verse number 3 by myself, and then all of us will read verse number 4 together, so on and so forth. We will responsibly read each, uh, each verse together, okay? Everybody got it? Everybody good? Okay, good, because um, it should be pretty simple, all right? Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20 is where we will be reading this morning. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. Let me begin with verse number 1. ...should be registered together. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city, together. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. This is God's word. This is the Christmas story. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we preach to you a message today entitled, Breaking News on a Bethlehem Night. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Christmas season. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep in focus the reason for the season, and that is the birth of your Son, Jesus Christ. I pray that you would help me as I preach today, Lord. Help us to take something away new from the Christmas story that perhaps some of us have read countless times. I pray that you would bless this service and this sermon now in Jesus' name. Amen. The phrase breaking news is overused, in my opinion. Uh, It doesn't take you long to scroll through your Twitter feed or through your Facebook feed or 
uh, through any news media outlet's website, and you see the term breaking news in all capital letters. And so often is the case that you look at the article, you look at the headline, and you think to yourself, this is not worthy of my attention at all. It's not really noteworthy. In fact, it seems like the only reason that the news organizations like to use the big, all caps, breaking news term is to get you to like the post and share the post and subscribe to their newsletter, perhaps. Breaking news is just so overused that we no longer have any kind of sensitivity to those words. We need something a little bit more emphatic to us, perhaps. Breaking news, if there was ever a headline worthy of this term, certainly was 2,000 years ago on a Bethlehem night when the Savior of humanity was born. In today's Christmas story, we find that this headline was not announced to the local governor, it wasn't announced to Caesar, it wasn't announced to the king, and it wasn't announced to any kind of ruler. The headline that was announced to these humble shepherds could have been written like this, Almighty and eternal God, born in local manger. And so these shepherds have this news headline blasted in front of them. What would your reaction have been? Could you have imagined what it would have been like if you were one of those shepherds that night? Today's story is a familiar passage, and I know that we like to focus a lot on Mary and Joseph and the wise men and the baby Jesus and how there was no room for them in the end, but there is a party that I would like for us to focus on this morning, and it is the response of the shepherds. Angels appeared to shepherds and announced the birth of Christ, prompting the shepherds to do three things. They prompted them to investigate, to discover, and also to proclaim the birth of Jesus. And so what are we to take away from this text before us today? If we could summarize these 20 verses in one sentence, what is it that the Lord wants us to do with it? And it is this, you ought to investigate, you ought to discover, and you ought to proclaim the miraculous birth of Jesus this Christmas. And I want us to look this morning at three different responses. How are we to respond? Let's look at three different responses that we ought to have when we have the news of Jesus' birth announced to us. The first response that I see that the shepherds make and that we ought to make this morning is this. We ought to listen to the wonderful news of Jesus. We ought to listen to the wonderful news of Jesus. I want you to look at verse number eight with me this morning, if you would. Luke chapter two, verse number eight. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. The news of Jesus first came to ordinary people. It did not come to Caesar. It did not come to Herod. It did not come to the ruler or the governor over the region at the time. No, the news, the most important news of all humanity came not to important people, but quite unimportant people. Of all the people that God chose to give the news of Jesus' birth to, he chose shepherds. Who were shepherds? 
Shepherds 2,000 years ago were looked down upon. They were ceremonially unclean. They spent time with animals. They were often actually regarded as dishonest. They were unreliable. They were trespassers. As you can imagine, a shepherd follows his sheep, and they take their sheep to whatever pastures are greenest so they can have healthy flocks. And so that necessitated often these shepherds taking their sheep to lands that did not belong to them. And so if you were a landowner, of course, you would look out your window one day and you'd find trespassers. You'd find people that would be on your land grazing their sheep with no permission granted to you. And so shepherds were very often considered a nuisance. They were considered the lowest of the low of occupations. I've explained to our church before that even King David, who was a shepherd boy, the youngest of eight brothers, he was probably doomed to spend the rest of his life being a shepherd if he had not become king. Why? Because the role of a shepherd in the family was given to the youngest son. And if another son was born, then the responsibility of shepherding was given to the next youngest son, and so on and so forth, until there were no more sons, and the youngest son was stuck shepherding sheep. What does this mean to us this morning? I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm a very important person. I'm not a famous person. I'm not a wealthy person. I'm not somebody that the mayor of Jacksonville would know. I'm not somebody that the president of the United States would know. I'm just somebody living in Mayport, as are most of us, I would assume. We are not extraordinary people. We are not extremely wealthy people. We are not people that are very famous, but we do have this. We have the news of Jesus given to us this morning, church family. Somebody said this once, all the poor, insignificant, and forgotten people of the world can gather around the manger and dare to believe that the babe who lies there really belongs to them. It came to ordinary people. Of course, when the news came to these shepherds, though, the first words out of the angel's mouth was this, fear not, do not be afraid. I don't know about you, but if it was you that night, and you were watching the sheep. If you were out in the middle of the woods or in the pasture, and there was no city lights around you for miles and miles, and all of a sudden, there was a bright floodlight just blasting you right in the face, what would you think? I know what I would be thinking. I would, I would probably be thinking, I haven't done anything, but the Department of Homeland Security is coming after me right now. Or perhaps you're, you're more... Uh, radical and you're thinking, you think, I can't believe the aliens have finally come for me. You would be very, very afraid, would you not? A light is shining on you when you least expected it. And so these shepherds understandably have a natural reaction. They're scared. Who is speaking to us from the heavens right now? And the angel responds to them, do not fear. Verse number 10 Verse number 10, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. God used an extraordinary means to communicate extraordinary news to the most unextraordinary people. The news of Jesus Christ ought not scare us. Perhaps you're here this morning and Christianity and the gospel and the implications of it scare you. Perhaps you're wrapped in a, and stuck in a lifestyle where you know if you embrace the gospel, if you embrace the good news of Jesus Christ, you know that some things are going to be different about your life. Some things are going to have to change if you accept Jesus Christ. Do not 
fear. Jesus says to you this morning, fear not. This is indeed good news. What you are used to, what you have grown accustomed to, what you love, what you idolize, all of that might change because you accept Christ. But let me tell you something, my friend, it will be a good change for your life. You will not regret listening and embracing the news of Jesus. Do not fear the news. But we also see the content of the news. What exactly did the shepherds actually hear from the angels? What did the angels actually announce? We find in verse number 11 these words. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The context of this is one of 400 years of silence from God, is it not? From the, the end of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi, to the beginning of the New Testament, the book of Matthew, there's about 400 years. The Israelites have disobeyed God in the Old Testament. They've disobeyed over and over and over again to the point where God finally says to them, all right, I'm going to let you have your way. You can go and be captives in Babylon. You can go and be captives in Assyria. I'm just going to leave you alone for 400 years. And the 400 years is broken. Nobody has heard from God in 400 years. No prophets, no judges, no priests. No word from the Lord for 400 years until the night when Mary receives word that she's going to give birth to a son. Jesus comes into Mary's womb. He is conceived of the Holy Spirit. He is born to a virgin girl in the city of Bethlehem. God remains silent from the end of Malachi through to the beginning of the book of Matthew. And the shepherds are one of the first people to hear the word of the Lord in 400 years. This is a fulfillment of, of course, Matthew, uh, I'm sorry, Mike, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. This is also a fulfillment of 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. God is telling the King David that there will not lack a king in his line for all eternity. He is promising David that his throne would be established forever. And you can imagine the thought process of these people as for 400 years they were waiting for the faithfulness of God to show itself to them. And finally, these shepherds understand God is speaking to us again after all of these centuries and he's having a baby born in the city of David, the eternal line of the kingship of Israel has now been re-established. This is the news that is worthy of the headline, breaking news. There's cause for celebration. In verse number 13, we see this. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. After the news has been shared with the shepherds, the angel is suddenly joined with uh, a whole bunch of other angels, and they erupt into joyful exultation. They start praising God. The, the Bible doesn't exactly say that they were singing, but I can't help but think that there was probably some singing going on 
as well. Why is the birth of Jesus such good news? The, the answer is found in verse number 14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Why is the birth of Jesus good news? Because when God receives glory, men receive peace. When God is forgotten, men receive chaos. Do we not see that in our world this morning? When men have forgotten God, when men have not given God the glory for all the good that has been done in their lives, when we do not thank God for all the blessings he has given to us, above all the blessing of the promise of a savior of humanity, when God does not get the glory, you can almost, no, you can guarantee that the world of men will fall into chaos. But when God gets the glory, oh, peace reigns overall. What did we just sing? Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We must listen to the news of Jesus, to the anxious looking for assurance, there is good news. To the heartbroken looking for relief, there is good news. To the hopeless looking for stability, there is good news. To the bitter ones looking for vengeance, there is good news. And to the lonely looking for peace, there is good news. And to the forgotten looking for meaning, there is good news. And to the vulnerable looking for protection, can I say this morning, there is good news for you. The angels announced the good news of the birth of Jesus because it is not just good news for the shepherds, it is good news for all of humanity. Let us listen to the good news of Jesus. But we should also secondly embrace the wonderful news of Jesus. We should not only listen to the good news of Jesus, but we should also embrace the wonderful news of Jesus. I want you to look at verse number 15. So it was, when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, what did they say? Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I think it was Ronald Reagan that said, trust, but verify. The shepherds decided to go to Bethlehem for themselves. It wasn't enough for them to see an angel of the Lord tell them, that the Lord has been born for them in Bethlehem. No, after the angel has gone back into heaven, what did the shepherds do? They looked at each other and said, we've got to go see this. We have got to go check this out. If, if what this angel says is true, then this changes everything. And so they go into Bethlehem and they decide, all right, we've got to start finding the stable. Where, which one is it? You know, the city of Bethlehem was not a really big city by any modern uh, means of the word. It had about 1,000, between 1,000 and 2,000 people in it at the time. But I can guarantee you this. You start looking in a town of one or 2,000 people, and you're going to get tired pretty quick if you're trying to find a manger in the middle of all of the other mangers in Bethlehem with a baby in it. Could you imagine going house by house by house, knocking on every single door, trying to figure out, hey, was there a baby born in your stable back in the backyard? And the people think, no, what are you talking about? And going on to the next house, going on to the next house, could you imagine how crowded it was at the time as well? For them to have no room in the inn, for them to sleep that night, not door after door after door, and they finally find the manger that they, that they were looking for. You see, it's not enough for someone to just tell you about Jesus. 
You've got to make the truth of Jesus personal. If the shepherds had just stayed behind and thought to themselves, well, that's some great news. I'm just going to stay here and look at the stars some more. I'm just going to stay here and worry about my sheep. I'm not going to bother investigating the news about the Savior of humanity. You see, when somebody tells you about the news of Jesus and the good news that Christ has come to save you, you have to do something with that news. You have got to make it personal. You've got to believe for yourself that Jesus was actually born in a major, that he actually died a death that he did not deserve to pay for a sins that he did not commit so that he could, have, he could save sinners that did not save themselves, that could not save themselves. For me, it was when I was seven years old and I came to the Lord one night, I decided for myself, the Christmas story was told to me, I believed that Jesus died on a cross, that he was buried, that he rose again after three days, but it was up to me to make the decision to actually accept the truth for myself. Have you accepted the truth for yourself? Have you embraced the news of Jesus? Have you embraced the true meaning of the Christmas season for your heart? Or what is Christmas to you? Is it just a time to have the grandkids over? Is it just a time for giving and receiving gifts? Is it just a time to get off of work? Is it just a time to go on vacation? Is the nativity scene that's sitting on your fireplace mantle right now just another decoration? Or have you embraced the reason for the season? Have you now heard the good news of Jesus and have you made it personal? Have you investigated it? Have you made it a sure thing for yourself? You see, it takes a personal decision, my friend. I can scream about the gospel of Jesus or I can whisper it to you all that I want to. But at the end of the day, it is you that have to make the decision, am I going to believe this or not? Charles Spurgeon claimed that 98% of the people that he met, including the criminals that he visited in England's prisons, told him that they believed the Bible to be true, but the vast majority had never made a personal life-changing commitment to Jesus Christ. Because for them, believe was not an active verb. Do you believe? Have you embraced the news of Jesus this morning? We should listen to the news of Jesus. We should embrace the news of Jesus. But finally, I see this morning, we ought to proclaim the news of Jesus. Look at verse 17 in Luke chapter 2 here. Verse number 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. What is your natural reaction after seeing Jesus? What is your natural reaction after having the life-changing work of the Savior move into your heart and cleanse you from all sins, past, present, and future? How can you not but tell everybody about the news of Jesus? They can't help but proclaim Everyone in Bethlehem must have known the Messiah was born that night. Could you imagine? After they find the baby born in the manger, what would have been their next stop? Well, back to the, fe- back to the fields, I guess. No, I guarantee you, probably every single house in Bethlehem knew that night. There's a stable over there, three blocks away. You know who was born there? The Messiah. The one we have been waiting for for 4 
hundred years. An angel just told me, I know it sounds crazy, but I was out in the fields just a little while ago and a light shone on me and the angel said, we we're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in a manger and look at who we found. And guess who his parents are? Mary and Joseph from the line of David. They proclaimed the news of Jesus to others. And I ask us this morning, when you encounter Jesus, you can't keep it to yourself. And so I ask you, who have you shared the news with? Especially around Christmas season, when you have family over for Christmas or you get together with friends and family tomorrow morning, do they know why you celebrate Christmas in the first place? Perhaps Christmas is a touchy topic around your family. Perhaps religion in general is a touchy topic. Look, I get it. I get it around Thanksgiving or around other holidays or or get-togethers, there's a topic that you ought to stay off of. You, you do not bring up certain topics at certain family gatherings, if you know what I mean. You better not bring that up or Uncle Fred is going to lose his mind. You better not start talking about this or so-and-so is going to have a fit. You understand the types of topics that I'm talking about. You just don't talk about those kinds of things at certain family get-togethers. But can I challenge you with this? Not talking about Jesus at a family Christmas gathering is like not celebrating the birthday boy and not even sending him an invite. Where is Jesus in your household this Christmas? Where is the Savior when you celebrate his birth tomorrow morning? Have you shared the good news of Jesus? Have you mentioned it? Have you read the Christmas story with your family together? Have you proclaimed the news to others that they so desperately need to hear? But not only should we proclaim the news to others, but we should also proclaim the news to ourselves. Verse number 20, we see this. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. It's one thing to listen to the news of Jesus. It's another thing to embrace the news of Jesus. It's another to share the news of Jesus with others, but unless we are repeatedly sharing the news with ourselves, unless you are constantly reflecting on the good news of the gospel in your own heart, your spiritual life will fail. It's like eating. How often do you eat? You eat every day. You didn't just have one good meal and think to yourself, I'm good for the rest of my life. You know, you have to eat every single day. And so we have a relationship with Jesus. But the relationship, just like any other relationship, needs constant renewal. It needs constant attention. You need to be spending time with Christ. You need to be reflecting on the gospel. You need to be sharing the news with yourself of all other times throughout the year, especially Christmas time over and over and over again. Because lest we forget our greatest need, how we are sinners in need of a Savior, how we are trespassers in need of a pardon, we are guilty sinners in need of forgiveness, we can rejoice each day knowing that 2,000 years ago, a little baby boy was born so that he could die for your sins and for my sins, thus providing a way for us to be reconciled to God. This is the greatest gift that anybody could receive. 
of all the gifts that are under your tree right now, of all the gifts that you're going to give and receive, maybe tonight and tomorrow and in this week, let us not forget that the greatest gift was given to us 2,000 years ago in a humble manger to a little teenage virgin girl and a foster father given to you for all of eternity. This is the Christmas story. Let our responses be like these shepherds. When they heard the news, they embraced the news, and then they proclaimed the news. The Christmas blues are a common feeling after Christmas. Perhaps you're familiar. And the Christmas blues can come from anything. It can come from all the shopping. It can come from the cooking, the organizing of the logistics, so that the entire family can be together for Christmas, coordinating work schedules, perhaps, uh, hoping nobody gets sick and nobody's flight gets delayed or canceled, like ours was last year. Overeating, lack of sleep, alcohol consumption. All of these things can contribute and really take a toll on you during the Christmas season. You know, in 2015, a survey was taken, and 64% of people report experiencing the post-holiday blues. Perhaps you experience these every year. Every day after Christmas, every year after Christmas, the day after Christmas, you just feel a little bit down. And maybe it's not something as trivial as all of the shopping and having all the family leaving your house at the end of a good Christmas dinner, perhaps it's something more permanent. Because perhaps this might be the first Christmas without a loved one that has passed on. Perhaps it's your first Christmas without somebody. Perhaps every Christmas now, the place at the Christmas dinner table is empty because that person is no longer there. There are no presents under the tree with their name this year for whatever reason. And you have to live with that now. And for you, the Christmas blues may be much more significant than a little overeating. The psychotherapist named Gina Moffa recommends that you do these things to get over the Christmas blues. This is what she recommends. You stick to a routine. You get enough sleep. You turn down too many invitations. Set a budget. And just know that the feelings will soon pass. This is how you cope with the Christmas blues, according to a secular psychotherapist. And I'm here to tell you this morning, I'm no psychotherapist. I'm but a humble pastor. I'd like to offer up my own recommendation. Keep Jesus in focus this Christmas. In the midst of all the busyness and the holiday bustle, remember, that he is the reason for the season. Reread the Christmas story for yourself. Reread what we just read, the 20 verses that we read. Read it in Matthew. Read it in Mark. Read it in Luke. Read it over to yourself until you understand and remember how wonderful a Savior we have to disregard the utter squalor that he came to in humanity 2,000 years ago to come and save you, to give us the greatest gift in all the world. I want us this morning to listen to the news of Jesus, embrace the news of Jesus, and proclaim the news of Jesus. As you gather with your family tomorrow morning, remember, 
that the reason that we celebrate is not all of the decorations and the presents and the grandkids and other things. The reason is staring us right in the face this morning, and it is the birth of Jesus Christ the Lord.